Ah, uh, yes. Welcome into another edition of the Wisports.net podcast. I'm Travis Wilson, general manager at Wisports.net. We are talking hoops here on this Wednesday, January 13th, as we are getting closer to the end of the season. We're already thinking about postseason. There's already plans being made for what that postseason will look like. We don't know yet. There's, uh, there's a number of options. We, we know things are going to be different. We know the dates are going to be different than uh, what they originally were scheduled for. We know that the locations are going to be different. The girls' state tournament will not be at the Rush Center. The boys' tournament will not be at the Cole Center. Uh, sectional games will not be at neutral sites. They will be at the higher-seeded team. So there's some things we do know, but there's a lot that we don't know yet as, uh, as the WIAA works through how things will work in this very different season. Uh, we expect that we'll have some more information either this week or perhaps next week. And, uh, of course, once we get that, we'll share it out with everybody out there. Um, a, a lot of interest, a lot of, you know, what's going to happen, where are we going to be playing, how's it all going to work. But, uh, you know, we're, we're waiting. Uh, the WI is working through it and uh, just trying to put it all together to, to figure out how it's all going to, uh, going to look, going to work, uh, again, in this uh, very different season. Uh, again, I'm Travis Wilson, general manager at Wisports.net, and uh, instead of me droning on and on today, we're going to bring in uh, a couple of our other uh, WSN staff members in just a moment to uh, to get some more perspectives and and talk about how things have gone this year in basketball, what we can expect, and uh, just kind of take a little high lo- high level look at uh, at the hoop season. And of course, that means that we welcome in first of all Mark Miller, our boys basketball writer and a WBCA Hall of Famer, Mark. Good to talk to you again today. Thanks for having me on. It's always good to talk and, hoops. Yes, and Norbert Durst, our girls basketball writer and content manager at WSN. Norb, good to have you on the uh, chat again today. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Looking forward to this chat. Well, let's uh, let's kind of get into things right away. And and you know when when we were talking and having conversations back in late fall, you know October, November, when. Uh, the discussion was, what is this season going to look like? We knew things were going to be different. Um, you know, we got guidelines that came out over the course of, uh, you know, the, the lead up to the season. There's been some tweaks here and there. But, you know, looking back uh, at, at what those guidelines were and what changes we have seen, Mark, what, what things stand out to you that have changed, you know, what the game is and in, in how much of things have really, you know, for the most part, stayed the same um, and been minor changes, in your opinion? Well, the biggest change, I think, obviously, is the fact that the kids are wearing masks when they play the game. I uh, never thought I'd see the day where that happened, but um, uh, it's here. And, and uh, you know, all the, all the kids in Wisconsin are wearing masks as they play their games. Um, another big change, obviously, is the fact that there's very limited, if, if at all, uh, any uh, uh, people in attendance. Um, now, some parts of the state have are allowing more people in than others. And then, uh, obviously, the third part is is the fact that not all our schools are playing. Um, I think I think I had heard or I counted up. My best guesstimate would be around 35 schools likely will opt out of the of the tournament this year. Um, and included in that, of course, uh, uh, likely uh, not finalized yet, but likely would be the Milwaukee public schools and the Madison public schools and Racine's kind of iffy yet um, along with a couple other schools here and there 
So uh, it's looked a lot different. I think the games themselves, once the games tip off, are, are, are inbounded, depending on where you're, you're at, because some games start with a jump ball and start some start with, uh, you know, with the flip of a coin and one team inbounding the ball. The games themselves are still very entertaining and, and still very competitive, and the desire to win from coaches and players and so forth is, is the same. Uh, but, uh, you know, the stop and start of some programs – um, has been has been difficult at times to track, you know. Uh, on Wisports, Sports, as you guys, both Norbert and Travis know, uh, you know, every day we're looking at the schedules and trying to ma- update them and make sure that they're accurate. Um, because you know, if a game is scheduled for tomorrow, that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be played, because this COVID can pop up so quickly and, and sideline a team. So, lots of changes, but you know, we're getting through. We're having a season. Kids are able to. S- to showcase what they can do and teams uh, are emerging um, and uh, we hope we can we can finish it out on a, on a good note here. Norb, what things stick out to you in terms of what you've noticed at games, watching games, uh, talking to coaches? What are some of the big uh, things that you have seen so far this year? You know, uh, Mark hit on, you know, pretty much everything there, but I would say just to bring a little extra energy, you know, I, without having fans or at least limited fans at most of the games, you know, instead of, you know, that student section bringing a little extra for that big game, you know, now the players got to amp it up themselves. And, you know, that has been um, something that, you know, has challenged some teams at times maybe, but I think that's going to bring out, you know, some good in teams and help with with just overall communication with, with uh, each, with teammates, just because, you know, you got to bring a little extra to the table when, you just don't have that crowd behind you. And, you know, I think that's that's a big noticeable thing at games. But, uh, you know, I think the kids have really answered the, the bell um, as well as they can just because, you know, again, they're high school kids. And, you know, they, they really, you know, a lot of times chime in with those with those students and the fans. But, uh, you know, I think it's it's, you know, been as good as you can have it. But obviously we'd like to see, you know, more teams playing. Unfortunately, those those Dane County and uh, Milwaukee City Schools, uh, um, just haven't been able to get on the court and might not this season. Um, we've seen a lot of different protocols and, and the WI put out a, a long list of recommendations and, and guidelines, but ultimately, you know, they were more, more recommendations and it was up to the schools on if they were going to adopt them, and including things like Mark, you mentioned the elimination of the jump ball or, you know, sanitizing the ball here or there or, or different things. What are some of the, the, the more, I guess, unique protocols or, or guidelines that you guys have seen uh, out there. Uh, obviously, there's some that, that every school is doing, including masking of everybody and, and, and whatever else. But what are some of the more unique changes that you have seen so far? Uh, Mark, let's maybe start with you. Well, I think I've been to 10 different games uh, in 10 different locations. Um, uh you know, it, it ranges a little bit, um, but I think the parameters are somewhat um, are somewhat similar. Um, you know, some some schools are letting in two or three people per player. Some schools uh, actually are selling concessions. Most are not. <laughs> um, you know, uh, some are starting with the jump ball. We talked about that. Um, some are, are some of the athletic directors and their assistants and so forth are spraying down uh, the chairs that the kids are sitting on, either at halftime or between the JV and varsity game to clean those. 
some of the some of the gyms have had extra basketballs uh, and have someone cleaning those off. Um, you know, when when maybe a ball goes out of bounds, they switch the balls. Um, you know, uh, so those things are new. Some are um, are not doing starting lineups or, or even the national anthem, and some are. So it's a little, uh, you know, here and there. Um, the one thing that uh, that's been a blessing, I think, to everyone, and you know, I think we've tried to follow through with it on with sports, is the fact that for those who can't watch the game in person, they can watch it on a, on a stream. And um, that's been a, a whole, a whole another experience trying to, you know, figure out what's going on with the streams. Um, you know, some. Yeah, we'll we'll, uh, we'll talk about that a little bit, uh, yeah. a, a little bit later. Some of the, the you know the uniqueness of that situation right. and, and some of the unique things that we've seen, you know, just in in streaming itself. Uh, Norm, anything game related that has stood out to you uh, in terms of protocols or anything like that that you've seen teams doing? Well, I think just the sanitization, if I could say it, sanitizing the basketball, I think, is the big thing. And, you know, before, uh, at least last night when I was at uh, Appleton East High School, they actually cleared the gym and, and you know, wiped down everything, all of the um, the player, the bench area as well as uh, the stands. So, I, you know, those are the, the big things, I think, is just the, the making sure the sanitization is happening is also, you know, keeping that social distancing as well. Well, let's talk about, uh, Mark, what you were, were getting into there, and that's the streaming that has that increased substantially this year. It's always been there. Uh, you know, our, our friends at Just a Game have been uh, streaming games and the NFHS and individual media outlets and, and even schools to some extent. But uh, as we saw in football and in fall sports, it's really taken off this year to the point where, what is it, probably there, there's some nights where certainly over half of the games are, are streamed, if not two-thirds. Uh, or even three quarters of the games that that are on our schedule have a stream option that goes along with them. Um, you know, as as you said, Mark, it's it's been a good thing to see, and it's it's you know hopefully allowing more people to uh, to watch games. But there is a a difference in what we're seeing on some of those streams compared to other places. Um, you know, what are what are some of the better ones that you've seen out there, Mark? What's kind of the baseline and, you know, how much has that gamut run from, you know, a, a really basic uh, thing all the way up to uh, full production values? <laughs> well, yeah, I, it, you you hit it on the head. It, it runs from basic to full production. I, I think Slesky Sports does a really nice job in central Wisconsin with having announcers and cameras that, you know, follow the action really well. Um, they do interviews and they have, um, uh, you know, stats. So I think they do a good job. You know, some of the National Federation sites, um, uh, you can, um, some of the schools are able to to have uh, an announcer with, with the games. Um, and, and that's been positive. Sometimes they link it up with a local radio station or sometimes they just get someone, you know, from the community to do it. Um, generally, I, I think the National Federation feeds are, are pretty good. Um, they're, they're situated in such a way that, um, you know, you can see pretty much uh, the action as it unfolds in front of you. Um, you know, YouTube, uh, which is the majority of, of, um, of gyms, I think, in the state right now, is, is a little hit and miss. Um, sometimes it's just fine, and, and, uh, and sometimes, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> stuff gets cut off or, you know, the camera isn't following the action quite as, as good as it should. Um, and I, you know, I'm not trying to be critical or anything. Obviously, uh, 
uh, th this is all manual. It's not someone behind a, a camera, you know, following the action. It's 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 one of those cameras that's placed in the gym and and follows the motion, I guess, of of the ball and so forth. So um, and then, like you said, there there's still some schools that don't have the stream. Um, and uh, my guess is they probably aren't going to get it in time for the end of this high school season. Um, perhaps next year, or perhaps, uh, you know, once we get back to, to attending games in person, maybe the streams won't be quite as prevalent. But um, I think it's been really good from the sense of, you know, if you're a coach of another team, you at least can watch someone play and get a scout in, um, you know, via the stream. Or, uh, whereas, obviously, you probably wouldn't be able to attend in person like in the past to scout a team. It's, it's interesting, right? All these schools that are and coaches that are embracing uh, streaming and the ability for anybody and everybody, including opposing coaches, to watch their games. And yet there's still some coaches that won't put stats on our site because that's too big of an advantage for their opponent. But they'll have all their games out there for everybody to watch uh, for, for free without having to put in the work to drive around and film games. But well, that's, that's, a whole, that's, that's a whole different thing, right, Norb? Yeah, and that's also that's also if uh, the YouTube video wasn't taken down because of the pregame music, which I've seen, and maybe you know some schools are taking them down after, but I'd say it's probably a lot more to do with just that music in the pregame, and then the um, that link to the that live feed from the night before is gone. Interesting. I don't know what you can do about that. I guess I don't know if you can put disclaimers in the the comments or uh you know in the description or or what they need to do but that you know that would seem like a something that would need to be fixed on on youtube's end um otherwise how are they going to get people to use live streaming if everything just gets taken down i don't know uh anything else that you've seen you know kind of unique stands out in terms of streaming this year norb i don't believe so i just think like you guys have already mentioned just a lot of different ways teams are using streaming and some are you know using it more than others but i just think just the fact that you know teams are even small schools are are getting out there and getting their their uh, games online i think just think that's great for the game overall so happy to see that and it's good moving forward as well well as we as we touched on and talked about we're we're still you know a little bit up in the air on what tournament will look like exactly we know that there's going to be a tournament. There's plans for a, a postseason tournament. Regionals probably won't be much different um, other than the, the dates are, are changed from what they would have been normally. Um, you know, Norb, in your opinion, what would you like to see a, a tournament series or, or a state tournament look like ideally trying to factor in all of the different factors and variables that the WIA might have to deal with, uh, you know, TV and, and uh, availability of facilities and limitations and all that stuff. What, what do you think you would like to see or, or, or even what do you think will happen out of, uh, out of the tournament series? You know, that's uh, at least the ability for, uh, especially when we get to the state tournament, how, how that might go. Just the ability for, um, you know, people to watch more than just, you know, one game. Um, you know, if there's any sort of a way to, you know, uh, get that availability so you can stagger those games in, in uh, sectional potentially, especially since, you know, fans aren't able to go to games. Maybe that would give a little bit more opportunity for fans to watch. But, you know, it's it's going to be interesting because there's a lot of Division II schools and a lot of Division I schools that aren't playing currently. So um, 
there's still kind of a wait and see on what's really going to happen. But, um, you know, just to be able to align those teams so, you know, fans and, and other, you know, not just the regular fans, but the players, coaches are able to watch, you know, somewhat of a normal type uh, state tournament. Mark, we had a conversation with Kate Peterson-Abiad on the WSN podcast last week uh, where she talked a little bit about, uh, you know, what challenges they're facing and, and, you know, some of the different options that they're having to look at. And uh, you you mentioned last night that there's maybe some some movement on that perspective. Uh, nothing official, but, uh, you know, what are what are you hearing or, or what, what do you think might happen in terms of uh, postseason structure? Yeah, you know they're they're uh, they're putting together a puzzle, and it's a very difficult puzzle to put together because of the schools playing, the schools not playing, the fact that they uh, are, are listening to the health departments and and keeping those guidelines in place. Um, you know, some of the sectionals have incredible travel, uh, particularly at the large school level. Um, I've I've heard some uh, some talk of maybe splitting the five divisions up into equal. Uh, equal numbers of schools of 97 schools in each division and uh, that would accomplish a couple different things um, number one it would it would uh, bring more schools up to the division one level like Norbert was saying many of those aren't playing right now some of them aren't playing I shouldn't say many but obviously MPS and Madison are most of many of those schools are, are division one programs number two if if, uh, if we keep it the way it is uh, and, and a couple of schools have COVID issues and can't play, uh, you know, there's, there's a possibility that some of the, the larger schools would only have to win maybe one or two games uh, to get to, to the state tournament, wherever that may be held. Um, so I think, uh, I think that's something that, that, you know, is a possibility of whether it will happen or not. I think we'll find out soon. You know, basically we have about a month left of the regular season and, um, you know, and then the tournament starts, and you had mentioned that the higher seed will host the route, um, and they'll reseed after regionals, um, and then uh, you know where exactly the state tournament will be held, how many locations, the schedule, uh, all to be determined yet. And uh, you know, it's it's a huge puzzle, and it, my my thought is that it probably is going to look different. Well, it will look different, obviously, this year than in the past, but even the structure of the tournament is going to is going to look a little different. And that's not to say that it won't go back to the way it currently, you know, what we've grown used to over the last five, seven years uh, wouldn't be back in place next year if if our COVID concerns are behind us. But I think this year everything's on the table and, uh, you know, trying to make it more equitable for everyone could lead to some some interesting and, and rather dramatic changes, actually. I mean, if, if you're going 97 schools per division, that's obviously going to bump up a bunch of schools. Um, that thought maybe they were going to play Division Five now are playing four, and those that were playing four are now playing three, and so on. So, um, you know, I think the sooner that they come out with the the recommendations, the better, because that will allow the coaches to to look ahead and to plan and to try to figure out, okay, who might be who might be uh, play. You know, once the playoffs come along, our, our regional or sectional looked like this before, but now it's been altered. Um, uh, and, and maybe they won't. Maybe they'll keep it the same. I don't know. But uh, those are just some of the the rumors and rumblings that uh, that we're hearing right now. It it has been a season of unprecedented uh, flexibility by coaches and administrators and players and parents and fans and everybody else. And I, I hope that that uh, 
interest in flexibility continues when when any of these changes get announced. Um, you know, if we think back to last March and the cancellation of the state tournaments, uh, you know, obviously there was many people upset then, but I, I hope that people understand that this is a very different year. And if they make a change that maybe, you know, it has a negative impact on your program or, um, you know, it doesn't put you in the p- place that you think is best or whatever it might be, I hope people understand and and embrace that uh, idea of flexibility and continue to do that. That you know what, if, if I have to move up and play in Division Four instead of five, it's a heck of a lot better than last March thirteenth when all of the state tournaments got canceled. And I hope that 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 attitude continues and, and we don't you know get get too much uh, uh, blowback and pushback and and you know turn it into a negative. But but we'll see. Uh, again, we don't know what those changes will be. We don't know how drastic they will be, um, but we do know that there are some things that will certainly be very different. You know, as we look at, you know, kind of a high level, you know, kind of recap of this year and how things have gone. Mark, I know that, um, you know, you had written a column early on, you know, about whether we should be playing and and should we be pushing things back and. And you know concerns about what might happen, but as as you look back over this year, you know what's what's your takeaway? You know it, it's hard to say right now if if it's been worth it, and that's probably not a fair question either. But you know what what's your feeling now compared to maybe where things were at the start of the year? How do you think things have gone compared to what your expectations were? You know what's what's just your kind of general thoughts on this season so far? Well, I think it's it's probably uh, been about as good as we could have expected. Um, you know, I, obviously not having all the schools start at the same time was it was a big drawback. Um, you're going to have some teams with with 24 games when the when the playoffs begin, and you're going to have some with under 10. Um, <laughs> you know, so that that's not fair. You know, I've covered games this year, and I'm sure Norbert has too, where one team's playing its 10th or 11th, and the other team's playing its first. Um, you know, had had we waited until maybe uh, you know, the first week in January and, and extended the season to the end of March. I think we would have probably had more teams starting at the at the same starting point. Um, but of course, that that uh, that leads into spring sports and of course the uh, the alternative fall sports. So you know, there's so many factors that are involved here that um, I think the the mindset is let's let's do the best we can. Let let's give the kids the opportunity to play. Uh, as long as we're doing it in a safe and, and um, responsible manner. And I think from all the, the games that I've been to and in talking to coaches across the state, that's what's happening. But even with all that, as you guys know, um, you know, a team like Cuba City, it was off to a great start. And all of a sudden, you know, they, they have a COVID issue in their sideline for two weeks. Same thing at Fort Atkinson. I mean, same thing in Appleton East. You can go across the state and you know, you play five or six games and all of a sudden you got an, an issue with one of the players on your team and, uh, you know, you got to sit for a while. So the stop and start is is certainly nothing that we've ever experienced before, but uh, it's here this year. And, you know, we're hoping that when the playoffs begin in a month that everyone will be able to participate. But as we saw last last fall with volleyball, you know, some of the teams that made it to the state tournament weren't able to play uh, because of COVID issues. So, you know, what, what's true today is not true tomorrow. And, uh, and that's the biggest thing that I think keeps everyone on edge and, 
uh, you know, you hope and pray that, that you can get through it all, that the kids are healthy, uh, that it's a good experience for everyone, that we all learn from this, and that the kids have a, a, an enjoyable time uh, participating with their, with their classmates. But, uh, you know, uh, I, I th- to answer your question again, Travis, I think it's just it's gone about as about what we expected. And, um, I think it's, it's gone, uh, about as good as we could expect. Um, there's been lots of successes. There's been lots of setbacks. There's been some schools that started late. There's been some schools that haven't started at all. And, uh, that's just the landscape we're dealing with this year. Norb, we knew that there was going to be, uh, starts and stops, that there was going to be teams that would have to cancel and or postpone some games this year. We, we knew that from our experience in, in the fall sports. Um, has it been about what you expected, less, more games impacted? And, and give us your thoughts kind of overall on this year as well. You know, about as I expected. I think, you know, the, um, you know, as far as teams getting games, and I think, you know, you know, some teams maybe scheduled a bunch of games early. I know Beaver Dam scheduled a lot of games in that, you know, before even the um, the new year um, just to try to combat that you know, the, the options, what they were going to have, because they knew they were going to lose some games here or there. So I, I think, you know, uh, for the most part, you know, the teams have been proactive as far as, you know, making sure that they have options available and uh, knowing that they're going to run into some problems. But that flexibility, I think, at the, you know, the coach level, also, you know, the AD levels, um, you know, it's 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 been huge for the teams being able to play because, you know, there's been a lot of, a lot of cancellations, a lot of postponements. Um, so, you know, trying to find games with also against teams that are good. I just think there's overall, you know, teams have, have, have done a really good job and, and, uh, you know, making sure you can have a, as good of a season as you can this year, knowing that there's going to be limitations and cancellations. You know, based on what we saw in the fall and in any given week, um, you know, there was anywhere from 20 to, to 40 football games, uh, you know, delayed and, and that accounted for, you know, 20, 30, 40% of the, the games that week. Uh, honestly, once the games have gotten started, obviously teams have gotten started, as, as Mark said, at different times, you know, not just, just looking at the games that are scheduled and the ones that get canceled because of a COVID issue. I, I, I am honestly thought there might've been more than what we have seen so far this year. Uh, in terms of in-season cancellations. Obviously, a lot of games had to be moved around because of delays in the season or teams not starting right away. But I, I, I think, you know, it, it, it maybe has been a little bit less even than what I thought we would see. One of the things that we talked about, uh, you know, throughout this this whole time, this last year, is what all of these changes and and cancellations and postponements and, and everything else would mean on the kids themselves, not just in terms of what they're able to do on the court, but what it would mean for them from a recruiting perspective. College coaches, at least at the Division One level, are not able to uh, to really do their normal recruiting. Um, you know, obviously, right now they're many of them focused on their season, and, and for many of them, the the AAU and club scene is is maybe a little bit more important in getting out and ad, and identifying players, but you know this the limitations on coach contact, the limitations on on visits to schools certainly is impacting, especially the 2021 and 2022 uh, athletes. Mark, what have you been hearing, or what have what have has been your sense in terms of you know just what this is all 
entailing for those kids and how much more of a challenge it is from a recruiting perspective for kids that are trying to get seen or recruited or or what have you, whether at the Division One level or Division Two, Division Three levels. Well, you know, I, I don't think it's it's hurt the 2021 class quite as as much as people might think. Um, like I'm looking at our top 31 um, boys basketball players right now in the state of Wisconsin, and all but four are committed, um, and and those most of those are to scholarship schools, either Division One or two. So um, I, you know, I think that the fact that the, that the, these kids kind of made a name for themselves as juniors, um, and uh, obviously had some sort of AAU season last summer, even though the coaches weren't present, they could watch online. I think what it's really going to hurt is the 2022 kids, particularly with the NCAA's decision to allow uh, seniors at the at the uh, at their respective colleges to have an extra year if they so choose. So, for example, you look at the University of Wisconsin men's basketball program, they have six seniors. If all six of those players came back, um, you know, that number one, that, that would probably lead to some redshirting of 2021 kids. Number two, um, it, it would affect how they're going to recruit the 2022 kids. <laughs> um, now, I, I doubt that all six would be back, but there's a very real possibility that a couple might come back. Uh, and you look across the country, and that's going to be the case with all all the Division One, Two, II, and Three programs. So, um, it, I, I think the 2022 class will be impacted more because there's just going to be more players within a, a collegiate program. Um, when you factor in the, uh, the the possibility of players returning, the current seniors, and then you add in the fact that the, the kids from the class of 2021 will be joining. So, you know, normally in a normal year, obviously you, you graduate your seniors and you bring in a new crew and you do that every year. Well, this year that won't be the case. Um, so, uh, you know, it's it's I, I think the, the real impact, uh, uh, unfortunately, will probably uh, land on the 2022 class more so than the 2021 class. And I've talked to a couple of college coaches about that. And I don't know if you have it at all, Norbert, but that they, they tend to agree with that. Um, uh, but. It's all in flux, depending on what kids come back. You know, the roster makeup of the collegiate programs will look much different, you know, three months from today or four months from today than it looks right now. So a uh, lot, lot to be determined, but um, it, the landscape is, you know, is just ever-changing. Um, and and then, then, of course, you factor in transfers, too, and that, that, that changes things again. So uh, a lot of moving parts. Norb, anything that you've been hearing in terms of you know challenges or what this is meaning uh, in recruiting and, and impacting those kids? You know, like uh, like Mark said, I think a lot of those uh, high end, at least the high end uh, 2021 kids, you know, mo- for the most part, the colleges know who those kids are, and those kids kind of already had you know uh, a couple schools if they haven't committed that they you know have a good idea that they might commit to. But I think it's probably hurt those you know the the Division three type kids, D2 kids, um, a little bit more. Um, it's been, you know, tough for recruitment for those those college coaches unable to go to games because you can watch a video, uh, you know, video stream, but it's it's not the same as, you know, being there in person. And I think, you know, maybe some kids, um, you know, can benefit a little bit there. You know, maybe maybe a coach is watching another, another player and sees a kid and, you know, maybe uh, get a late offer or uh, – 
uh, an option to play D Division three basketball. But I just think at that the lower level, you know, the D2, D3s have you – know, it's been a challenge for the college coaches. Um, and then, you know, to figure out, like, again, like Mark said, who's going to stick around for another season. And, you know, that makes another challenge for them. All right, boys, let's uh, let's talk about the actual games on the court. Um, we saw last night, how about how about last night? We saw the Division I uh, top-ranked team in boys basketball, so, um, Menominee, or excuse me, uh, Tosa East. And we saw the top-ranked team in Division I in girls basketball, Germantown, both went down last night. Um, Mark, give us your, you know, one or two biggest storylines from the games this season that we have uh, that we have seen so far. Well, I think the number one storyline, at least as far as the boys go, is the is the unbelievable strength of the Greater Metro Conference. Um, you look at that league, and it's just uh, every single game is is really difficult. Um, even the lower level teams in that conference are, are more than capable of, of 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 pulling off an upset or two. So the fact that Tosa East uh, sustained its first loss last night to Sussex Hamilton. Uh, wasn't a huge surprise uh, just because the league is that good. You know, when you look at Brook East and Brook Central and Sussex and Menominee Falls and certainly Wauwatosa East and Wauwatosa West, and then, you know, teams like Marquette High and, and West Dallas Hale are more than capable of, of pulling an upset. Um, so uh, we saw that with Hale a couple weeks ago when they went to Franklin and got a win. So um, I think that's a, a story, you know, just the incredible talent and the competitiveness in the greater Metro conference uh, on a night in night out basis is, is one of the storylines. I think the scoring uh, in the, in the um, just the emergence of, of Brandon Podzinski at St. John's Northwestern as is another storyline, having seen him live and on tape uh, or on film, I guess uh, a couple times this year um, and, and seeing him in the past when he was younger, just the, the fact that he's just playing at a, a really high level right now. And, uh, you know, he, he's put in a lot of work. He's, he's changed his body from last year, did a lot of weightlifting and so forth in the spring. And then when he was able to play later in the summer on the AU circuit, he really worked on his game. He's handling the ball a lot for St. John's and, and playing the point position a lot. Uh, and uh, so, you know, he and Patrick Baldwin are, are two of the kids that, that haven't signed yet. Um, and, and so that's another storyline, you know, will Patrick Baldwin be able to return, uh, this season before the playoffs begin for Sussex Hamilton, you know, the country's number one player, uh, and, and he went down, you know, early in the year with that injury, that high ankle sprain. So hopefully he, he can come back for Sussex Hamilton. Um, and then of course, you know, there's storylines up and down the line. When you look at our, our team rankings, uh, St. Catharines has won a ton of games in a row dating back to last year. You know, Wisconsin Dells is having another great year. Um, you know, the FVA is competitive with Nina and Kimberly at the top. So um, lots of good storylines, you know, not related to COVID. <laughs> um, but, of course, underneath it all is is the COVID stuff and the fact that uh, we just don't know what's going to happen from day to day. Mark, how could you ignore the biggest story in the state this year? WSN content producer Colton Wilson getting his first varsity uh, win for Richland Center, filling in for head coach Brian Poles. Colton is the JV coach at Richland Center and uh, guided the Hornets to a win over Lancaster last week uh, as, as Richland Center is on top of the SWC. Biggest story in the state. I can't believe it, Mark. <laughs> 
Well, you know, I emailed, I think I emailed both of you guys and Colton and said, hey, I think Colton should be our, our coach of the week. But, uh, of course, being humble like he is, he, he decided against that. And I guess Jim Goss winning his 600th game was probably a bigger story. Yes. But, uh, and I don't, th- I don't think any Wilsons have ever been humble, have they? <laughs> well, uh, I congratulations, you know, to Colton. And, you know, more importantly, uh, congratulations to Richland Center having a great year. And it's good to see, uh, you know, that, that they've kind of been middle to bottom uh, for quite a while in the in the conference. And to see them, you know, rise up and, and really perform well this year, uh, that's, that is a great story. Norb, uh, what are a couple of the things on the court that stand out to you so far in the girls' hoop season this year? Well, we'll start with the positive first. Uh, Blackhawk. 63 consecutive wins now for them. That's uh, now they're sixth alone, but um, and all for uh, the state history for wins in a, in a row. That is held by Pius, who won 92 straight back in the late 80s into the 90s. Um, and you know the the negative here is is uh, Wisconsin losing Maddie Wilkie, um, you know to to the knee injury Beaver Dam was looking to, you know, they were dominated the first part of the season. Um, and then uh, Maddie Wilkie goes down with that torn ACL. She's headed to Wisconsin. And that was just a, you know, a crush, not just for Beaver Dam, but I think for the whole state. Uh, Miss basketball favorite um, being lost for the season. And, you know, just that dominance that Beaver Dam had. And it now kind of turned to uh, Notre Dame, who had, you know, battled, battled uh, um, Beaver Dam the last couple of years, even in the playoffs. Um, and they look to be the dominant team. Um, but also in that uh, FBA area, that FBA conference has been strong. As Mark talked about the greater Metro for the boys, the FBA has been all that, and I think even more for the girls. Um, I will say the greater Metro for the girls, they've also been doing very well. Um, last night with Brookfield Central knocking off previous unbeaten Germantown. Um, so I just think this, the strength, of, of that Fox Valley slash, you know, Green Bay area um, has been very good for basketball. And it's good that that part of the state is playing ball, you know, since I'm living here in Sun Prairie um, and Dane County, we haven't seen any basketball. So it's good to see that that good basketball up in the, the Fox Valley area. And then, you know, that the, um, the Milwaukee area team's doing well. Um, but I think just overall, it's that it's that that win streak that Blackhawk is on, you know, it's. Um, they've been doing so well. They've lost, you know, they lost a couple of very good players from last year's team. Now, now led by Bailey Butler, who has been putting up huge numbers, including having a quadruple double uh, a week or so ago. So it, it's been there's been a lot of positives for this season that you know we can talk about that you know are on the basketball court, and, it, and it's uh, it's a good thing for the kids across the state. Well, let me ask you guys a question that's that's a, a very difficult one to to answer and and consider, and it's something that is 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 uh, you know a situation in both boys and girls basketball, and that is the uh, the Mister in Miss Basketball Award, where you had the two favorites that are going to miss either most or almost all of the uh, of the season. Maddie Wilkie is done for the year at Beaver Dam. She only played uh, a handful of games. Well, I guess eight games, but. Uh, Norb, how do you factor that into Miss Basketball? I mean, she was a, a runaway favorite. Now is Bailey Butler the pick? Or how do you how do you look at what Maddie did, you know, throughout her career and incorporate that into that discussion? 
Yeah, I think you you uh, definitely have to look at what she's did in the past and also what she did this season. Because like you mentioned, she was still able to get a fair amount of games in. Um, you know, I don't think it was eight, but, uh, um, you know, still was able to get on the court this season. But, it, you know, if they don't give it to Maddie, I think there's a lot of kids in the mix there. I mean, you can look at uh, Maddie Schreiber who, from Kimberly, and Kimberly probably will be the number one team in the state next week or most likely will be now that they knocked off Appleton East last week, uh, last night, excuse me. Um, but then you, there's just a lot of other kids that could be in that list. You know, you mentioned Bailey Butler. Um, Anna Lutz has had a really good career at Marshall. Uh, Chloe Van Zeeland from, from Kokana. Um, you know, Callie Genke from Freedom. So I just think if you, you know, if uh, Maddie Wilkie doesn't win it, I think there's going to be a lot of kids, you know, deserving of maybe getting a shot at winning Miss Basketball this season. Mark, same question to you, Patrick Baldwin Jr. If if he returns and is able to, able to make an impact and, and lead Sussex Hamilton to state, you know I think he uh, you know is a, a very strong candidate. But if he let's say he doesn't return and he only played a couple of games, um, how do you how do you factor that into uh, you know the Mister Basketball race that would also include names like David Joplin from uh, Brookfield Central, Brandon Podzemski from uh, St. John's, who you talked about, uh, maybe Braden Daly in there, some other guys. You know, how do, how do you factor Baldwin's candidacy for that Mr. Basketball Award? Boy, that's a great question. And, and uh, uh, I'm not, I, I think if you're not playing, uh, it's pretty hard to win the award, uh, despite the fact that the injury, of course, was, was nothing that, uh, you know, he could control. Uh, um, but, you know, you look at the college basketball awards and you, you, they don't give it to someone who's injured. Um, so uh, unless he comes back, and I certainly hope he does, um, I think it's going to be pretty tough to, to, to select Patrick uh, just because he's not playing, not because he's not good enough by any means. Um, so that does open the door for guys like Podzimski. Uh, you know, Cam Palessi at Waukesha West is having a terrific season. I think he would be under consideration, you know, depending on who emerges in the, in the greater metro. Um, you know, Hayden Doyle at Brookfield, uh, Brookfield East and, and David Joplin at Brook Central, Tanner Resch at Sussex Hamilton. You know, you look at that Tosa East team and they're really balanced, but uh, I think Brian Partridge kind of makes them go as their starting point guard. Um, so uh, it, it certainly would, would, would open things up to a lot of different people. I, I guess it, if I had a vote today and you said you got to pick one, I'd probably pick Podzimski just because his numbers are so, so impressive. Um, but uh, let's let's hope and pray that Patrick gets back on the court and, and can show what he can do, and that all the kids get that opportunity. Um, and we know that that's not realistic this year with COVID. But um, at, at least the ones uh, whose teams are playing, that that the kids are healthy and get that chance to show what they can do. But you know, you feel bad for the Wilkie girl at Beaver Dam. Um, you know, but, you know, we've been around long enough where the, these things happen. You know, and it's. It's uh, it's part of what high school athletics is about, actually. You know, just the, this when setbacks come, how do you how do you respond? You know, how do you work hard and try to get back, or, or you know, do you not? And uh, you know, that's that's the that's the life lesson that, that these kids will learn. And uh, obviously, with with us having gone through all that in the past, you know, high school sports at its core, I think, is 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 that extension of the classroom where you learn how to deal with things and uh in the case of patrick and maddie that it's it's been very difficult and uh, i'm sure that there's been a lot of uh 
you know, a lot of, a lot of tough things going on in the households uh, for those two respective families. But, uh, you know, I think everybody in the whole state wishes them well, and no one wants to see anyone ever get hurt. So let's hope for the best in that, uh, at least in Patrick, as he gets back on the court. I'll, I'll pose a, a final question to you guys that I've received a number of times, and I'll, I'll, I'll wait to answer at the end, I guess. Um, and, and you guys probably have gotten this question, too. What is, what is your confidence level, or give me a percent confident that you are that we will finish a high school basketball season in Wisconsin with a state tournament? Uh, Norbert, let's, uh, let's start with you. Percent? Yeah, let's go percentage. Oh, uh, I'll go like ninety-nine. Wow, strong. I, I think strong. Gonna... All right, Mark, what's your percent uh, confidence that we will finish high school basketball with a state tournament? Um, I'm not going to go quite as high as Norbert, um, although I, I'm pretty confident that it'll happen. But I, I'll go eighty-five uh, percent. 99 out of Norbert, 85 out of Mark. I'm going to split the difference a little bit. I'm going to say, I'm going to say 95% confidence uh, level that we'll finish high school basketball with a uh, with a state tournament. I, I really, and I've said this for a long time. I said it going back to the fall. Um, I really think the the only way that we don't finish is if the state steps in. I don't. I think the WIAA, as they have done, as we've uh, talked about, whether people like it or not. They've said, if you want to play, we're going to facilitate you playing. And if, uh, if you don't want to play, you know, that's, that's your decision. We're not going to cancel because, you know, a small group of teams don't want to play. We're going to, we're going to continue to offer uh, something for those that do. So I, I don't see it coming from the WIAA. Um, I, the, only, the only potential I could see would be from the state. Um, and I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, they've, they hadn't canceled it yet. And uh, I, I don't think there's an appetite to do so um, at the state level, based on conversations we've had in the past, based on uh, you know conversation I had with Michael Thompson from DPI uh, way back in uh, in the fall. So, uh, so you know, if, if people are wondering, you know, where we stand on it, obviously, you know, at least in our in our WSN virtual office, we're very very confident that we're going to get to the finish line in, in high school basketball, as we did in every other fall sport as well guys uh we've uh we've eclipsed our time uh at least that we had planned um some great conversation some great insight we're going to have both of you on uh if not next week in the next couple weeks to to talk a little bit more about some of the on-court stuff you know start talking ahead about playoffs and teams to watch and some of the divisions and and do a little bit more thorough breakdown but uh this was a really good conversation to try to you know, kind of put a, uh, a little bit of a perspective on things so far this year as we are, what, a little bit past the midway point, I guess. And, and again, thinking about uh, postseason very soon here with, uh, what is it, Norm? The first week in February is girls' regionals, right? Uh, February 5th or 6th, something like that? Yeah, it's, it's coming up quickly. Yeah, so we're only, you know, three, three weeks away, three, four weeks away, something like that. So it's going to be here before we know it. Uh, which means, of course, that everyone listening out there is going to want to pay attention uh, very closely to Wisports.net, all the, the great content that Mark and Norbert are putting out and will be putting out in the coming weeks and, and months here. Uh, it's going to be a, uh, a fast and furious race to the finish line 
as we try to get ready for the postseason, uh, then get into postseason play and, and breakdowns and previews and all that good stuff. Uh, you can find uh, great weekly content, our, our team, uh, or excuse me, our player of the week poll, the VNN athlete of the week. Uh, the coaches polls come out on Tuesday. Uh, you know, game recaps and, and week previews and all that good stuff from Mark and Norbert throughout the week as well. And uh, don't forget, we're we're getting ready already for that alternate fall season that will start. Uh, practices begin early March. Competitions begin middle and later part of that month for uh, a very short uh, alternate fall season as well. Uh, so it's it's going to keep us busy in the next uh, couple of months. But we will certainly take that as opposed to you know what we had at times last year. Mark Norbert, uh, great. Uh, great conversation. Great to have you on today. And, and again, we'll talk at you uh, again uh, very soon here. Okay. Well, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. All right. That'll do it. For Mark Miller and Norbert Durst, I am Travis Wilson. This has been a WISports.net podcast. We'll see you at a game. <laughs>